the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky team. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. (laughs) Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is hour two of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is a professor emeritus of clinical medicine at University of California, San Diego, and, interestingly, a docent at the San Diego Air and Space Museum. We'll find out how those two things uh, overlap with the author of a, uh, a new book. It's called Serendipity, Utilizing Common Unexpected Events to Improve Your Life and Career by um, Neil Farber, MD. And uh, Dr. Farber joins me now by phone. Hi, Neil. Welcome to the show. Well, oh, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Um, is serendipity a, a in, does it relate somehow to, or or does it happen in the same way that we experience, say, deja vu? Well, it's it's sort of a, a little different. Um, and, and people have asked me what's the difference between serendipity and luck. And and luck is something that just happens. Um, deja vu is the same thing. It just sort of just happens to you, um, and and it's there. Um, serendipity, it's, it's oftentimes just a very subtle, unexpected event that you then have to recognize and do something with to make it worthwhile. But what, what qualifies as a serendipitous event? Well, I mean... Uh, <laughs> Finding a winning I, I lottery guess. ticket or... <laughs> no, so, so that's sort of luck. Because basically, yeah. you, 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 it just happens, right? You, you just happen to pick the right number. Um, serendipity is is more, uh, as I as I talk about in the book, if it's a young woman who's 
been out of work for several months, sort of at the bottom of her finances um, and doesn't know what she, you know, just happens to now get a job, but not going to be paid for a month or two and doesn't know what she's going to do for that amount of time. You know, on the one hand, the luck <clears throat> is, like you said, she, she wins the lottery for $5,000, okay? The the serendipity is she's walking along, um, sees a leaf on the ground, and it looks kind of strange, um, picks it up and, and realizes that there's a penny underneath. And a lot of people will just shrug their shoulders and walk on, but she's curious, so she picks up the penny, sees that it's a, a very old penny from 1922, um, and a, a friend of, she remembers that a friend of hers in middle school who was a coin collector said, if you ever see a penny this old, bring it to a coin dealer because you never know it might be worth something. So she does that. She brings it to the coin dealer, and the coin dealer looks at it and says, I'll offer you $5,000 for it. So yeah, the outcome is the same. She ends up with $5,000. On the one hand, though, it just she wins a lottery, and that's that. On the other hand, um, she had to be observant to, to see that there was a leaf on the ground, curious as to what was going on, made the connection um, to what her uh, previous friend had said, and had the mindset that this could mean something to her. So the... the I, I guess, and of course, it's... Uh, you know, it's it's in the book, but how does someone um, train themselves to make the connections when serendipity right. presents itself? Yeah, and and it, and it does take. You're right. It does take some training and and some learning how to do that. Um, I was an academic physician for forty years, and so any physician, and I was in general internal medicine. Um, you have to have those kinds of um, skills to be able to adequately diagnose somebody with a particular illness. And so those are the things you hone over many, many years of practice. Um, but anybody can train, and, and there are ways of doing that, for example, with mindfulness exercises um, and books on mindfulness um, in terms of curiosity, um, you know, it's it's sort of gaining a, a perspective that, you know, looking out for when things don't seem right, and and wanting to investigate them, uh, and then and then connections is is sort of being able to, to um, uh, again have the mindset that where did I see this before? Where did I read this before? And make those connections. Now, now I have to ask before we talk more about serendipity, and and maybe we end up talking about serendipity. I don't know; it depends on the answer to this question. But how how did working in internal medicine lead to you being a docent at the at the Air and Space Museum? Well, it sort of was serendipity, in a, well, in a way. Um, so I, I always. Uh, knew that I, I really loved medicine and wanted to be a physician. But sort of my second hobby and passion was air and space, uh, especially space. You know, uh, being a kid in front of the TV watching every Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo launch and recovery, uh, I was absolutely enamored with it. I never had the eyesight 
uh, or the mathematical skills to be able to to get into being either an astronaut or or even an engineer. Um, but I really loved it. Um, a friend of mine who I was mentoring at uh, UCSD in our um, division, um, I was mentoring her on her research, and she knew I, I really liked air and space. And one day we were going to talk about her research, and she decided we should go to lunch. And she, she picked the um, San Diego Air and Space Museum at Balboa Park here in San Diego for us to have lunch. Um, I suspect she had this in mind all along. <laughs> um, but they have a cafe there, so we went and had lunch. And then I was showing her around the museum the things I knew. And she sort of led me over to where the docents sit at a table, um, looked at them, pointed back at me, and said, he, wanted, he wants to be a docent. <laughs> uh, at which point I protested and said, no, uh, not really. And she said, you, you know, you're retiring in a year. You won't have anything else to do. You want to be a docent. And I, I thought about it for a few minutes and said, yeah, okay, you're right. And I applied and trained. And three months later was a full-fledged docent at the Air and Space Museum. Now, the book, um, your new book is... Uh let me make sure I get the uh, the title right here. Um, is serendipity utilizing common unexpected events to improve your life and career? And and I, I was kind of hoping we might explore how common are these unexpected events, and you know if they're unexpected, um, you know how how do, how do we? Is there a way? Is there a way to will them to happen? Uh, well, okay. So in, in answer to the first question, um, how common are they? Um, I can only speak for myself and those I've talked to. Um, I, don't, I don't know anybody who's done a study looking at this, but um, uh, yeah, I think it's very common. Um, Actually, um, there was a study done of people looking at their careers, and uh, over half of the people who were surveyed, uh, men and women, said that serendipity played a role in, in their advancement of their career. Um, so it is obviously very common. Uh, for me, it was, it was something, when I set out all of the different experiences I had in my life uh, and career, it was like, wow, I didn't realize there were that many. Um, so it was it was significant. And when I talked to others, um, both family and friends, they, they indicated that these kinds of things happen to them fairly frequently. Um, I, my suspicion, you know, no one knows the, the uh, denominator <laughs> um, very well. Uh, we don't know because there are probably lots of events that are overlooked. But I, I suspect it's very common. Uh, is there a way of willing it? Well, you know, I've heard people say, you know, if you want something to happen, you know, um, imagine that it is happening. You, you know, you, you you sort of will it into being. And and I just wonder, you know, of course, I'm always skeptical about that. But um, mm -hmm. but but I wonder, is is there a way to 
attract these things, to, to become a magnet for them? Yeah, I think there is. And, and I think it's the, the, you know, having the mindset and, and the observational skills and, and looking all around you at all times that that occurs. Um, yeah, the other thing is, if, if you're oftentimes, if you're working on a problem of some sort, um, a lot of times you have that aha moment. Well, that's serendipity in a way. Um, it, it, some people call it pseudo serendipity because you're working on the thing for a long time, but it, it, that aha moment is still serendipitous. It's still, you know, an unexpected type of thing. Um, but, but working on the problem for a prolonged period of time or, or, or the thing you want, uh, can make it happen. And, you know, there's, I, I was reading something about, about your book. It says, uh, um, oh, it's, fr it's from the press release, the, uh, the headline, improve your life and career by making the most of happy accidents. Um, I, I don't normally think of accidents as, as happy. <laughs> Right. I, I think a, I think a, a better term would be, as I as I phrase it, unexpected events. Um, but yeah, actually, sometimes it can be something that uh, is an accident, and and you turn it into something fortuitous. The, the most famous example was Alexander Fleming discovering penicillin. Um, what happened is he was experimenting with staphylococcus of one of the bacteria that, that causes a lot of infections and was killing a lot of people back in the early, you know, um, 20th century. And he, uh, he wanted to explore what, what the, the bacteria did when they, they were in a natural environment. So he, in his lab, he, he made the lab sterile and made sure everything was, um, closed up and, and, Put the the plated the uh, the bacteria on the usual agar plates that they have the petri dishes. Yeah. But he purposely left the lids off to see what they did in natural air. Well, someone and he went away for for a weekend, and somebody decided his lab was too stuffy and opened the window. And lo and behold, there were some spores of mold that landed on the plates. Um, and you know that was. That was an accident. Okay, he came back, went, "Oh no, these are all ruined," and started tossing the plates. And then he happened to look down and realized that on the plate, wherever there was a little spore of mold, there was a clear ring. Um, and when he looked at it more closely, he realized that the bacteria were dead and dying. At which point, he got curious and then, "How did this happen?" and started investigating it and came up with penicillin. But noticing those little rings was really part of what you refer to as connecting the dots. Sure. Well, it's, it's, it's both observation, um, noticing that the rings were there. And Neil, I have, to, I, I have to interrupt, and I apologize, but I have to go to break here for a few minutes. Can you stick around so we can talk some more? Absolutely. I'm talking with Dr. Neil Farber, and he is the author of uh, Serendipity. We're going to talk more about that after we let our broadcast partners squeeze in a few words. We'll be right back. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wanky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with Dr. Neil Farber. He is the author of Serendipity, Utilizing Common Unexpected Events to Improve Your Life and Career. Neil, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. (laughs) Well, it was really interesting, actually, because the last uh, uh, promotion for for Flint and Genesee County talked about unexpected discoveries. (laughs) <laughs> it, it kind of kind of fits the theme um you know when we talk about une- unexpected events um certainly uh the pandemic qualifies as as that um the pandemic has overshadowed a lot of things did it overshadow serendipity well, yes and no. <laughs> um, obviously, it, it, it causes it caused. I'm sure it probably caused people to be, you know, less ex, you know less exploring their their world around them. Um, people stayed in them a lot more and, and uh, were not as uh, curious about things around them. Uh, on the other hand, um, there were probably I would suspect lots of events where people took advantage, had to take advantage of them. And, and one of the things, um, you know, when I started this, this book, it, it sort of came to me serendipitously. I can talk about that, but um, it was back in, uh, just as I was about to retire in the spring of 2019. So, so COVID hadn't been around yet. Um, and I, I wrote the book and uh, released it right at, sort of the height of COVID. Uh, so it sort of was maybe luck, maybe serendipity, I don't know, that that happened to have it released at that time. But I think it's uh, it's important that it was released at that time because I think people are looking for ways, plural, um, to recover um, both economically and psychologically from this illness. And, and I think my... The book gives tips uh, and sort of advice on, in one small way of how to do that. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, in January of uh, 2020, I had my own studio, and I decided for a variety of reasons, um, largely economic, to close that studio, move all the gear home, and have a, a studio at home to produce my show from. Hmm. And uh, two months later, everybody was working from home. Right. Was that a happy accident, a coincidence, or or was there some serendipity going on there? Well, I think that's, you know, for to have been serendipity meant that you somehow could look into the future, which, which you can't do. So I think it was just a coincidence. But somebody who, um, for example... Um, saw COVID around and, and um, you know, um, happened to have the equipment and go, hmm, I wonder, you know, that may be serendipity. Well, it, it, that certainly wasn't at work for the first uh, few weeks as I watched uh, the evening newscasts <laughs> and people were doing broadcasts on their laptops from their basements and stuff. Um, right. It, 
but getting back to this this idea of um, serendipity and the book, how did you come to decide there was a book in in this notion of of serendipity? Kicking and screaming the whole way. <laughs> um, <laughs> really, really. Um, so I, I, as I said, I was an academic physician for 40 years. I published over 60 research papers in, in medical journals. And I've had a lot of colleagues and friends say, you need to write a book about all of the experiences you had in terms of the, these, these, the research that I did. And I, I, I kept on saying there's no way, first of all, that I can put all this together. Second of all, it would be just a rehash, and I find that really not helpful to anybody. They could just read the papers themselves if they were interested. And I didn't want to spend the time and effort doing that. It just, just wasn't in me to write, you know, a 50 or 60,000-word book. Um, research articles are usually 2,000 to 3,000 words at most. So I, uh, I, I kept saying, no, 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 no. Uh, I guess I was, I guess I, you know, it, this was sort of approaching the time when I was about to retire. And I, I guess I sort of was thinking about what would I be doing when I was going to retire. I knew I was going to be a docent at the Air and Space Museum. I already had been and would increase my time there. But, but was that enough or did I want something else? And I was thinking about that, but hadn't really come up with anything. And then one night, um, at just about a, um, two years ago, almost, um, I woke up at 3 a.m. Uh, I guess I was having a dream, though I don't remember the dream, but sat up in bed and literally at that moment knew exactly the book I had to write. Um, went, went into the other room, uh, wrote it on that line, looked at it and said, is this something I really want to undertake? Um, you know, it's going to mean probably close to a year of work. Uh, I had to do some research. I had to put down all my own experiences. I had to write the book and then find a publisher, et cetera. Um, but as I looked at it, I realized, you know, I, do, I think I do have a message that I need to give to people. And so I set out to do it. And that's basically how it happened. And you included events from your own personal and professional life and experiences, but you also used events that have been recorded in, in literature and history books. What are some examples from from literature and, and history? You, you talked about the... Uh, the one you know involving penicillin during the last segment, but what what are a couple more examples um, that you use in the book? Sure, when you know when um, so um, Thomas Edison was experimenting with um, the telephone, which had just which had just been uh, invented a year or two before by Alexander Graham Bell, and he was trying to see if he could do a um, a, a record, you know, a paper recording of the voice. Um, so what he'd done is attached uh, a needle to the diaphragm of the telephone. Back then, um, if you remember the old telephones, they had like a mouthpiece and it had a diaphragm, a rubber diaphragm in there. Right. That would that would make the sound into sound waves or into in electrical impulses. 
So he attached the needle to it and uh, had it um, sort of trace on paper sound waves if he could. And he was adjusting it, and there was some sound in the room, and the, the diaphragm vibrated, and the needle pricked his finger. And he looked at that and went, well, if, an, if the needle off the diaphragm could prick my finger, it could certainly um, prick or, or uh, in etch uh, a recording on something if it was soft material. He went on to see if it could do it on a wax cylinder, which it could, and uh, voila, the phonograph. Um, that's one example, for example, that I use. There are lots of others. Um, are, are a lot of the examples, um, are, are they inventors and, and researchers and, and trained observers to use as examples? Well, some are, some are not. There are lots of food examples um, that were, and, and, and the food examples occur oftentimes either out of adversity or, or sometimes just by happenstance. Um, my favorite, because I lived the uh, majority of my life in Philadelphia, was the development of the cheesesteak, <laughs> um, believe it or not. Uh, Pat Alivieri was, uh, and his brother Harry owned a um, hot dog stand in South Philly and had a, had a good business going. They had all the cabbies and some of the tourists and all coming to their stand for hot dogs. And um, they used to take a lunch break, and they, of course, have hot dogs. And Pat decided he was sick of eating hot dogs all the time. So one day he had some uh, thin-sliced beef and decided he would cook that up on the grill with some onions and see how that was and put it in a, in a hot dog roll. And before he could eat it, um, a cabbie came up um, looked around, s smelling something different, and said, looked over and saw that it was the this thing on a meat cooked meat on a roll, and said, "That smells really good. How much is it?" And Harry or Pat, Pat being a, an entrepreneur, said, "That's a dime." And the cabbie said, "What do you call it?" Uh, I call it a steak sandwich. What else? And um, the cabbie said, yeah, I'll take it. Uh, the cabbie told his friends. His friends told his friends. Um, Pat added cheese, and lo and behold, the cheesesteak occurred. And how did the cheese enter into it? Um, somebody one time asked for cheese on it. He had some cheese lying around, because uh, a lot of people like cheese on their hot dogs. And... And that's how the cheesesteak became a cheesesteak. That's amazing. Um, but the other the other food food issue was, uh, um, you know, there, there are lots of food, other food issues. For example, buffalo wings. Um, it was the Anchor Bar in um, Buffalo, New York, and the owner's son and his friends were out at a movie. Came back wanting something to eat and there was nothing around, uh, his mother, who was the, both the co-owner and chef of, of the place, 
had some chicken wings laying around that they used for stock. They, it wasn't useful for anything else. But since she didn't have anything else to give them, she um, sort of um, put some butter in a frying pan, fried them up, added the hot sauce they had made, and gave it to the to his her son and their his friends, and he absolutely adored them. And that's how the buffalo wings became buffalo wings. And there's those are, are great historical examples, but um, are, are there examples of of literary characters and things that might have been put into stories by intention uh, by by the authors? Well, the, the, yes, and, and actually, the how the title uh, serendipity came about was because of um, Harris Walpole. Who was a literary? Uh, who was an author? Who told this story based on a um, old Persian tale, uh, where there were three kings on the island of Serendip, which is we now know as Sri Lanka, um, who, as they went about looking for things, um, found that there were subtle clues that led them to what they needed. And uh, Walpole came up with the term serendipity. So it goes, and that was in 1754, I believe. So that it goes back to at least that that old in terms of authors um, knowing about and recording uh, or or fictionalizing um, serendipitous events. Now the book is is of course a great place to start, and I'll I'll mention the title uh, once again: uh, Serendipity, utilizing common unexpected events to improve your life and career. But uh, a part of the let me book, let me interrupt for one minute. We actually changed the title slightly. It's it's actually serendipity, utilizing everyday unexpected events to improve your your life and career oh i've got it i've got it down wrong multiple times um in the notes i have um, it's every day but i mean it's the same same concept no 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 i no i'm i, I stand corrected and thank you for making that correction because i don't want people to to get it wrong um but in the book you talk about developing <laughs> observational skills and and, uh, and other skills. What are some of the skills that people have or at least should improve in order to take advantage of serendipitous happenings? Good question. Um, so the first thing is mindfulness. Uh, you, you have to be mindful of things around you and, and also of the mindset that these things are happening and could happen to you. Um, that's, that's the first thing. Um, the observational skills are really crucial um, because of the fact that many times it's either, either and observation doesn't mean, and by observation I don't mean just visual observation, it could be auditory observation or physical observation or whatever. Um, hearing, hearing something that, that makes a, you know, sparks your interest or or seeing something that sparks your your curiosity or triggers an idea or triggers an idea right and that's happened to me many times um then then the curiosity how did this happen or or why did this happen 
uh, and then finally making the connections to your own previous experiences and 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 readings. Now, when you uh, were and, go ahead, and then once you once you recognize serendipity, then you have to um, take advantage of it, and usually that requires some work on your part. Um, either research or, or um, in the case of food things like experimenting with it or, or whatever you need to do to make it something that's meaningful. And and you talk about sometimes it, it doesn't always turn out necessarily well. It, you can have a serendipitous occurrence, come up with the, the big idea, and it, it could flop. It could. Um, most often what happens is that it's it's successful for a short period of time and then and then sort of people move on from it um so that can happen <laughs> the pet rock <laughs> yeah pet rock that was one uh you know the difference between why was why is our frisbees still around but hula hoops are not for example yeah yeah you know, my, my my favorite though was instant fish Instant fish. Instant fish. This this uh, ichthyologist, who's a fish specialist, found this um, these uh, fish in I forget where it was, but I think Africa. Um, that sort of uh, uh, lay eggs. They they are dormant in the mud until enough rain comes, where they uh, hatch into little fish. And he, um, rather than just writing up about it, he, he took it to the Wemo Corporation, and Wemo decided, yep, we, we want to go with this. And they put out these kits called Instant Fish, where oh, you, yeah. and they had a little, had a little uh, aquarium and, and filled it with water, and you put the mud in, and, and the fish would hatch, and you had little fish swimming around. Um, the problem was that the fish only spawned so many eggs, and these things were flying off the shelves at first, but then they could not keep up um, because the fish couldn't lay enough eggs um, in terms of in Africa. And so um, basically people lost interest. Well, this is this is fascinating. Um, one thing that I, that I did want to ask you before we run out of time is there... It sounds like there wasn't much written about it. How do you go about researching for a book like this, <laughs> Neil? Did, um, you know, it's, can you just type serendipity into Google? And <laughs> um, so I, I did two. Well, first of all, I, I, I use a lot of my own experiences um, sure. in it. But in terms of actually research, um, I, I typed serendipity into Google and also serendipity into Amazon uh, and found a, and also besides serendipity I, I in, in Amazon I typed in accidental discoveries um, and came up with uh, a number of different books um, both in the food range as well as in 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 actual accidental discoveries and things like that um, and there were lots of references on, on Google as well. Well, this is uh, this is fascinating. Again, um, 
and, and I'm going to try and get it right this time, Neil. The book is called <laughs> Serendipity, Utilizing Everyday Unexpected Events to Improve Your Life and Career um, by Dr. Neil Farber. Um, Neil, it's it's been a real pleasure getting to know you and, and getting to talk with you a little bit. But I always give guests, and we're, we're almost out of time. we get a couple of minutes left. But um, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. Now, obviously, the book is a great place to start. But, um, sure. but do you have a, a website? Are you planning future books? Well, I do have a website. Um, it's um, www.neiljfarber, all one word, dot com. Uh, it's spelled N-E-I-L-J Farber, F-A-R-B-E-R, dot com. Um, and on the website, I, I, I've just begun posting, but um, I'll post a lot of the, the links to different uh, talks I've given, and, um, and we'll post things as I come across them in terms of other books. Um, my book also has uh, a bibliography in the back, so there is a number of oh, sources there to learn about it. Fine. And um, uh, and and what do you have? What do you have planned next? Or or are you uh, the are you busy enough uh, <laughs> docenting at the uh, San Diego Air and Space Museum? Well, I'm kind of, right now I'm I'm busy docenting as well as um, doing these kinds of talks and stuff. Um, I also, as I talk about in the book, I've, I've developed a, uh, a, a lecture on serendipity, uh, which I can give too, uh, and have given a few times. Um, but actually during the summer when I was kind of da- had some downtime, I, I wrote a novel, which um, is now in the hands of my publisher so we'll see what happens with that well great neil neil farber is is it just neil farber or neil j farber.com neil j farber.com and people can keep track and learn more about neil and and his work past present and future i imagine and uh, neil thanks so much for spending this uh this time with me i appreciate it very much been a pleasure. Well, my pleasure, and thank you very much for having me on. All right. Take care. You too. Once again, uh, the name of the book, and, I, and I'm going to get it right so I can at least have done it right twice, Serendipity, Utilizing Everyday Unexpected Events to Improve Your Life and Career by Neil J. Farver. Now, if you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 FM, Our Voices Radio, Uh, In Flint, they are a uh, broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze in a few words edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So there's lots more of the Tom Sumner Program straight ahead. And uh, usually you can go to um, our, uh, our website for uh, past interviews in the uh, archive section uh, just a uh, kind of a public service announcement the archive is down while we change uh, servers that that carry our archive for the for the website and uh, 
I'll let you know when that's back up and running. And uh, as always, the show repeats uh, online all day and night. Hello we'll there, back. citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not, is a major factor in dancing like a retard, may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! 
from the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Milestones are never really recognized right away. It takes uh, oh, 50, 60 years before people realize what an achievement it is. Like, um, take for instance tobacco and uh, the discovery of tobacco. It was discovered by Sir Walter Raleigh, you know, and he sent it over to England from the colonies. And uh, it seems to me the uses of tobacco aren't obvious right off the bat, you know. And I imagine a phone conversation between Sir Walter Raleigh and the head of the West Indies Company in, in England uh, explaining about the shipment of tobacco that he had just sent over. I, I think it would go something like this. Yeah, who, who is it, Mary? Sir Walter Raleigh from the colony. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, put him on, will you? Uh, uh, Harry? Yeah, you want to pick up the extension? It's, uh, it's Nutty Wall again. <laughs> Hi, hi, Walt, baby. How are you, guy? How's, how's everything going? I think things are fine here, Walt. Did we get the what? Uh, the boatload of turkeys. Yeah, they, they arrived fine, Walt. Uh-huh. Uh, as a matter of fact, they're still here, Walt. Yeah, they're, they're wandering all over London, as a matter of fact. Uh-huh. See, that's, uh, that's an American holiday, Walt. Uh-huh. <laughs> What, what is it this time, Walt? You, you got another winner for us, uh, do you? <laughs> tobacco. <laughs> What's tobacco, Walt? It, it's a kind of leaf. And you bought 80 tons of it. <laughs> uh, let me get this straight now, Walt. You, you bought 80 tons of leaves? This, uh, this may come as kind of a surprise to you, Walt, but uh, uh, come fall in England here, we're kind of up to our... Uh... It, it isn't that kind of leap. Uh, but what is it, a, a special food of some kind, is it, Walt? Not exactly. It has a lot of different uses. Uh, like, what are some of the uses, Walt? Are, are you saying snuff, Walt? What's, what's snuff? You, you take a pinch of tobacco. <laughs> and you shove it up your nose. <laughs> and it makes you sneeze, huh? <laughs> I, uh, I imagine it would, Walt, yeah. <laughs> See, uh, uh, Goldenrod seems to do it pretty well over here, Walt. <laughs> 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 
it has some other uses though. You, you can chew it <laughs> or put it in a pipe or, or you can shred it up and put it on a piece of paper and roll it up. <laughs> don't, don't tell me, Walt. Don't, don't tell me. <laughs> You stick it in your ear, right, Well, <laughs> all, all between your lips. Well, uh, <laughs> then, then what do you do to it, Well, <laughs> You set fire to it, Walla. <laughs> <laughs> then what do you do, Walt? You inhale the smoke. Uh, <laughs> you know, Walt, it seems offhand like you can stand in front of your fireplace and have the same thing going for you, you know? <laughs> See, Walt, uh, we've been a little worried about you, you know? <laughs> Ever since you put your, your, your cape down over that mud, you know? <laughs> See, Walt, I, I think you're going to have kind of a tough time uh, uh, selling people on sticking burning leaves in their mouth. It's going very big over there, is it? What's the matter, Walt? You spilt your what? Your coffee. What's, what's coffee, Walt? <laughs> that's, that's a drink you make out of beans, huh? <laughs> that, that's going over very big there, too, is it? A lot of people have the coffee right after their first cigarette in the morning, huh? Is that what you call a burning leaves, Walt? Cigarettes? Uh-huh. I'll tell you what, Walt. Why don't you send us a boatload of those beans, too? If you can talk people into putting those burning leaves in their mouth, they gotta go for those beans, Walt. Right. And listen, Walt. Don't call us, we'll call you. Right, Walt. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Every state has something its Rotary Club can boast of. Some product that the state produces the most of. Rhode Island is little but, oh my, it has a product anyone would buy. Copper comes from Beaches come from Georgia And lobsters come from Maine The wheat fields are the sweet fields of Nebraska And Kansas gets bonanzas from the grain Old whiskey comes from old Kentucky 
the country lucky New Jersey gives us glue Why should you be blue for you? 
Zajic, Don't Touch That Dial, you're listening to Tom Sumner.